everybody. You are listening to the Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church for the church. My name is Kirk Miller, here with Dan Allen. Hey! And today we are going to be doing an overview uh, episode of Revelation chapter 11, verse 19 to chapter 15, 4. Uh, so as Dan promised, he called, called an audible in his sermon. He was going to do an overview, mm-hmm. a sermon that kind of covered the overview of this passage, but called an audible there. And so as promised, we're going to do that in this podcast episode instead. And as we did before um, in the series, when we kind of hit a new section, finished off a new section in Revelation, you remember in Revelation, there's kind of these, uh, it's made up of these kind of bigger sections, like the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, things like that. What we've done is we've done a sermon to kind of go back over the entire section to kind of fit it all together. uh, Just because we realize in a book like Revelation, some of us have had you know, experiences with Revelation where it feels a little bit unruly and kind of it's easy to get lost in all the all the different visions of what's going on. And so we like to kind of step back, do a big overview of the entire section to kind of make sure we have a vision for the forest uh, and how all those trees fit in. Mm-hmm. Because ideally, like, you know, if you've been following along, that you would be able to, by this point, by the end of fifth or 15-4, you could say, wow, you know, I actually had a handle on, on the chapter four through seven or eight, eight, one, right? The yep. seal judgments. I, I kind of, I know what's going on there. I don't know all the details, but John's not asking me to, but I understand what's going on, what his point is. And I think I understand the truck trumpet judgments. And now I indeed understand the, the, the seven signs that, so you, you feel like you can handle the book of revelation. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the helpful things about, um, realizing, um, yeah, just like as, as you read revelation, uh, sometimes we can get caught up in all the little details and feel like we need to understand all the little details. Sometimes those details may not actually be like they're really not – you're not meant to make too much of them. But yeah. you can actually understand the book if you focus in on like what was the point of the – kind of the overall point of a, of a larger section. And really in that way, once you kind of zoom out to that level, like Revelation is not – granted, there's always depths you can go into and more you can understand and, and the richness of the details. But – on a big level, I think, you know, the average person can pick up their Bible, understand Revelation on some like the, mm-hmm. the large messages of those sections. And so hopefully an uh, episode like this and some of the sermons we did that go over and kind of give those big picture um, help give you some of that confidence and tie some of those things together. Yeah. So, yeah. Dan, why don't you go ahead and give us some help us lay the land, give us a lay of the land for uh, essentially 12 through 15 here, this yeah. section that you're, and what you'll do is you'll give us some lay of the land to kind of help get our bearings. And then you'll go ahead and essentially just read the passage for us, but also not just read the passage, um, but kind of give us some, you know, instructions yeah. along the way, kind of get, point out some of the signposts so that we yeah. kind of remember where we're going and how it all fits together. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So before I kind of like work on the structure piece, um, you know, just if you're reading this whole section, I think there's a couple things that might stand out or we would want to stand out. And I'll at least point out those. Uh, one of the things as you read, you, we should be asking, like, what is his goal for us? Like, what, what is he trying to get accomplished in this whole section? And we have that, that repeated phrase in chapter 13 at the end, uh, 13.10 or 13.9, excuse me. No, it is 10. Yeah, 13, 10. Here's the call. Here's a a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Then it happens again in chapter 14, verse 12. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So John's, you know, earlier in the book, it's this idea that John is 
one who is uh, in the patient endurance. It's the same word here. Uh, and then throughout the letters in chapters two and three, he keeps calling the church to conquer. Now here, uh, he's, she, she seems to be saying like, you need endurance, like you need to keep enduring, right? So here we see his goal in it. Like, I want you to endure. Remember, John's on the island of Patmos writing to the church. He wants that church, the seven churches he's writing to, to make it to the end, right? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like having those there first are very helpful. Like that's the intended response that's that right. John wants um, us to have as we go through this set of visions. Yeah, that's really right. the whole book, but this yep. set of visions as well. Yeah. Now, one other thing I, I find throughout the book of Revelation that can be helpful as you read to understand what's going on is you get uh, like, like like a break in the action or maybe it's a voice from heaven or John gives some kind of signal, sort of like, hold on. You need to know this about what's going on, right? Yeah. Uh, so it happens in chapter 12. Uh, it happens in chapter 13. It happens in chapter 14. So in chapter 12, you get this voice from heaven in the midst of the, of, uh, the devil fighting with uh, Michael or with Michael and his angels in heaven. And all of a sudden, a voice from heaven and, and, and says that the devil has been thrown down, that accuser of the brethren. Uh, there, there's no more room for him. Like the saints have conquered by the blood of the lamb. Uh, he, he seems to be giving this interpretation of that whole section, or at least part of it. The devil's been defeated already. Mm-hmm. Not yet, because he's going to keep battling. But there's been a decisive blow to him, specifically at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, who now reigns. The devil has no room in the courtroom of God. The saints of God are forgiven, right? That He seems to be placing that right in the middle of chapter 12. Chapter 13, you have where John all of a sudden goes, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now, that, that's coming out of the, the, the letters of chapters 2 and 3, right? At the Every letter ends with that sort of refrain. Um, and then he seems to give an interpretation of the beast. Uh, if anyone is taken ca- to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he shall be slain. It seems to be John's way of helping us like grapple with how do we find this patient endurance and then John gives us the clue. Here's yeah. here's where you find patient endurance. Know that God is reigning over the beast. Yeah. The beast is not in ultimate control, nor is the world just going by chance. God is in control. If God has ordained you to be taken captive, you will be taken captive. Find rest in that. Mm-hmm. Right? You might even add in verse 18 of the second beast division, this calls for wisdom. Or right, yeah. A call for wisdom. Yes. There's like kind of another... So in other mm-hmm. words, there's these moments throughout the book where in the middle of a vision, middle of kind of like detailing some you know crazy stuff that's going on, the, you get a step back to kind of say, and let me tell you what's yeah. what, what you should be taking away from this. Yeah, yeah, which I find to be very helpful in the book of Revelation, so you yeah. don't get lost in all the details. Uh, and then of course we have this one in chapter 14. This is where I touched on the sermon uh, this past week. After he says, "Here's the call for endurance," uh, then John hears another voice. And the voice tells John to write this, write, write this, John. Uh, so up until this point, for a while, John has just been seeing things. And then there's this pause. John, write, write what I'm about to tell you. And then he says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Uh, and then the Spirit of God responds to that, saying, yes, confirming that, um, because they will have rest from their labors. Uh, and their deeds follow them. So he seems to, in that section, then be saying, look, those who die in the Lord, uh, which I was arguing means to to endure mm-hmm. uh, from the verse before it. The believers who yep, endure. To yep. Both in faith and deeds, to, to walk with Jesus all the way to the end, uh, to die in that situation, uh, to, to die in the Lord, uh, you will be blessed. So I, like it, There will be a great reversal. Yeah. You will experience blessing. 
um, not curse. Which but, really fits yeah. like the idea of conquering in the book, where it's like the believers actually conquer when they die. That's right. And how is that? Like, how do you conquer when you die? Like, it's, it's actually like it, that. That means the opposite of mm-hmm. what it sounds mm-hmm. like you're saying. Like, when right, you die, right. you died. You didn't conquer. You were the one yeah. who were conquered. Um, yeah. And that's how the book talks. Like, the beast conquers the believer, and yet in dying they conquer. Why? Because death is the gateway into victory mm-hmm. um, where we mm-hmm. will actually be as revelation 20 eventually shows like the martyred saints who reign with christ yeah like that yep. is paradise that is um like we finally reached your the rest the great mm-hmm. rest mm-hmm. and so that in other words how those are placed in this section how those kind of step back moments like mm-hmm. blessed are like right this yeah. blessed are those who died in the mm-hmm. who die in the lord from now on like that shows us really the overall aim of this right. section yeah of 12 through 15 where mm-hmm. it's talking about the dragon warring and the beasts warring and all this stuff is mm-hmm. that well after we've gone through that war like we have a motivation to endure that war because ultimately there is uh the the blessed state of having conquered and mm-hmm. died mm-hmm. in the lord that's right yeah yeah so you might think of those those um places that we just talked about is sort of like hot spots in the in the text but if, if then you then step back and say well, what is the whole structure and kind of then you'll see the hot spots within that so like chapter 13 or 12 i'm sorry is that the conflict starts with uh the the dragon we're told with satan warring against the church warring against christ and his people uh he keeps getting defeated so he raises up He's he's still going to go on the attack, but he's going to use the the human institutions of oppression, uh, deceit, uh, seduction, the first and second beast. Now, these truths are given to us in vision form, right? Uh, But that's the reality that's being painted. Uh, The devil's going to war against the church using the the world, the human institutions uh, who are going to bring oppression. They're going to bring deception and bring seduction, right? Um, And so the... There's slaughtering going on all, all, all over the place. The church is being killed. But the big question at the end of chapter 13 is what's going to happen to the church? How is she going to survive? How is she going to make it? Uh, and then we, the rest of the, of, of the section, you have moving forward. And you see the great reversal. And so we, uh, as we went through the sermon section, we were talking about the post-pilgrimage experiences. Yeah. So from 14 on, mm-hmm. so you have the dragon in 12, 13, you have the two beasts. That's kind of like the current state Today, of the war, yeah. starting yeah. from the ascension of Jesus, really, um, into like now. But from 14 yeah. on, you kind of have into the future of like, this is the vision then of like what we what we look forward to. Yeah. Um, either after we've died in the Lord or when Christ comes again. Right. Those two are, are dealt with here in chapter That's 14 right. into the beginning of 15. Yeah. So if you were to put it all together, I think you have at least four components working on in, in this section. You have the, a great battle that's going on in the church against the church today, like you said, from the time of the ascension of Jesus all the way till the second coming, there's the battle. The second is that the church needs to endure in the battle. Right, mm-hmm. that's the call. You need to endure. You need to make it to the end in faith, both in in belief and in deed. So there's you must endure in the battle. And then he's going to give us uh, basically two, or you might say even three, uh, three th- things that are supposed to empower us. It's the, the fact of God's past victory. This from chapter twelve, the the insertion from the from the voice saying like the devil's been defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, God's present reign. That's from chapter thirteen. If if you're if God ordains you to be t- taken captive, you'll be taken captive. Like, like even the war is under His control. That's right. In other yep. words, like like this isn't yeah. a mistake. This is within His. That's plan. right. Yep. yep. Uh, and then the third thing would be that God's great reversal is coming. The future so, hope of the the hope that believers have, as well as like the. 
the judgment that awaits yeah. the non-believer. That yep. there is going the situation is going to be is going to be uh, fixed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there's a great battle. The church must endure through the battle. How is she going to do that? Well, she needs to know the past victory is already completed. She needs to know that God's in control right now. He reigns right now over the beast. And he, the church needs to know that uh, God's great reversal is coming. Mm-hmm. The judgment's coming and final salvation is still coming. Yeah. And so that's an overview of the entire section. Uh, 11, 19 through 15, 4 are really kind of like chapters 12 through the beginning of 15 on a simple mm-hmm. description. And this fits into the overall book where if you remember the overall kind of structure of the book is you have the introduction and the vision of the Son of Man, the letters to the churches, then you have the seal judgments with their, with its interlude and the trumpet judgment with its interlude and the seal and the trumpets. And then after this will come the bowl judgments. Mm-hmm. These are kind of like mm-hmm. the big uh, panned out panoramic kind of vision of God's purposes and history of bringing salvation and judgment. 12 to 15 here then is kind of like zooming in on some of the key characters mm-hmm. of, you know, who, who's, who are the characters? Who are the yeah. profiles of, of some of the villains? Um, yeah. as well as what's going on with the, with the church and believers. And so here we're kind of zoom, we've saw, we've kind of seen the panoramic vision of the great battle. Mm-hmm. And here now we're seeing some of the key players in the battle. That's right. After this, yeah. we'll eventually get some more profiles like, in chapter 17 and 18, we'll right. look at the harlot. We'll eventually see the new Jerusalem and mm-hmm. the bride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is something that the book is kind of does. It, it switches from these kind of like big, large-scale pictures to kind of these zoomed-in profiles mm-hmm. of some of the key figures in the mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have going on in chapter 12 through 15. Anything else you'd add to that? No, I, th- I don't think so. So at this point, Dan's going to go ahead and give us a reading of the text. Um, and he's going to kind of point out some signposts along the way to kind of help us keep our bearings, as well as I think at the end of every section, go ahead and kind of explain what you're going to do there. Yeah, so then uh, at the end of each section, uh, I'll just say the, the phrase sort of like, and remember, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Because I really think that that's where this this is heading. That's one of the one of the empowerments yeah. to endure. Uh, and he spends so much ink on the the future in this in the sense of this is what's coming, the great reversal. Yeah. Uh, God's people are going to be uh, finally rescued, and the judgment's coming. But he this this idea of the voice from heaven coming in chapter fourteen and the spirit of God confirming it. Uh, it's a beautiful picture, yeah. and so I just feel like keeping that on our sights. Uh, in our sights as we read it. You might helpful. think of those sections almost like an anchor, like dropping the anchor right, while you're yeah. fishing so your boat doesn't just like wander <laughs> off in different directions. Like as you're reading a section like this, those step back moments are kind of like anchors. And so, or another way you might think of it is as you're going to repeat it for us at the end of every section, if you're a musically inclined person, you might think of it almost like going into the refrain or yeah, going into yeah. the chorus. We're going to do verse number one, and then we're going to end. We're going to remind ourselves of that eventual chorus. We're going to mm-hmm. do verse number two. We'll remind ourselves of that chorus. So yeah, that's good. Kind of that's not exactly how it's laid. Out. It's not like you're actually going to be reading that in the text, but right. we're kind of inserting that. Yeah, to kind of convey right. the overall message. Yeah. So why don't you go yeah, ahead and lead us into uh, a reading of this we'll passage. Do. Feel free to just cut me off and jump in and say something if you'd like. Sure. Uh, so we're going to start off, uh, remember these three characters. There's the woman, uh, which represents Mother Israel, uh, the church, uh, who gives birth to a male child, which is the Christ. And then you have the, the dragon uh, who wants to destroy the child and the woman. So Again, these realities that he's painting come to us in vision form. Uh, he's going to start off uh, like we've already seen earlier in the book, uh, verse 19 of chapter 11. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. 
and the Ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman, a massive woman, she was clothed with the sun, dazzling beauty, with the moon under her feet. And on her head was a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant. She was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. So, you know, again, this is a vision. So you you try to hear the sounds of this, envision this. You know, I don't know how, how birthing was back then, but, you know, it's, not, you know, I'm sure. But the crying out in the agony of giving birth, this yeah. massive woman. So this is quite the scene that John is is seeing at this point. She's giving birth. Now another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, this one was much more hideous. It was a great red dragon. He had seven heads and ten horns. And on his heads, seven diadems or crown-like things to show authority. Now, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them to the earth. Again, there's a vision because that, that couldn't happen in reality, right? The earth would be gone. He cast them to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Again, a vision. We want to envision this. This hideous beast with seven heads and all these horns, and it's massive. It's standing right before the woman who's screaming in agony of giving birth, and there's the dragon with a fork and a knife and a little like uh, handkerchief right, ready, ready to eat the Give me the baby. I want to eat the baby. It's just this hideous picture of what's going on here. So she gives birth to the male child. Now this child was one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. This is right out of Psalm 2, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, God was going to put his son on Zion who would rule the nations with a rod of iron. And this this is the child that was born. But the child... Instead of getting grabbed by the dragon and eaten by the dragon, the child was caught up to God and to his throne. And so now you have the dragon and the woman there. Obviously, the dragon's really upset, but the woman takes off. She flees into the wilderness. Now, she's on earth now. She was just clothed with the sun, standing on the moon. This is apocalyptic literature. She's now running through the wilderness where she has a place that God has prepared by her in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now, as we went through this, we talked about this, these date, uh, dating, uh, parts, uh, often because you have 1260, you have three and a half, uh, or times, times and half a time. Um, and then you have 42 months, all being the same period, the all numbers add up the same. Uh, but in the culture, you would hear it a little bit. How, if I were to say, Hey, my buddy Mark, let me tell you the story. Mark, um, on the 13th of the month at 1313, 113 at 1313 in the afternoon, Friday the 13th. Yes, it was a Friday and he was on 13th Street. <gasps> yeah. Like, it just, I was, you're just like, Whoa, all this, there's a, there's an idea that comes behind that. That's the way these numbers work with 1260. It's a time of uh, the wilderness there is a good picture, right? Because it's a time of suffering, yet a time of God caring for his people. And yet a, a time also, it's God caring th- for his people through a time of suffering that leads to triumph. And that's the way this number, the three and a half years, uh, was being used in the culture at the time. Uh, so that's the way John seems to be using that in this setting, which we're going to see it more as we go. 
All right, moving on, verse 7. Uh, now John sees war going on, and it arose in heaven, and it was, it was Michael and his angels, so Michael being an angelic being, and he was fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels, and they were fighting back. But guess what happened? The dragon was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who's called the devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, again, you want to picture the scene, you know, bang, boom, pow, you know, kicking and sliding, however you'd... Like one of those old bat. I'm like, when he said bang, <laughs> boom, pow, I'm like thinking one of those old Batman things where you like <laughs> slap someone and it yeah. says slap. Maybe you grab the tail and like bang, bang. <laughs> Flip them on the side. I don't know. But you, you know, I don't know how you'd paint that picture, but you would want to get the picture so that you see the devil falling down to the earth and he just lands, lands splat. Right, he's like knocked out cold, mm-hmm. just laying there, done. At this point, a voice in heaven chimes in, and it's a loud voice. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come, because that accuser of our brothers, he's been thrown down." Who accuses them day and night before our God? This is this is courtroom language. He's standing before God day and night, always accusing the the people of God. Did you see what they did? Did you hear what they did? Did you hear the way they talked about that person? Did you see what they were, uh, how they used that, or what they did, or what they didn't do? God, you must judge them. That accuser has been cho- thrown down, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, because they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. I, ju- I just love how that voice pipes in there. I think this just screams to the, ch- the church of God, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. There is no more judgment for you. There is no more room for accusation from the devil against the saints of God before the throne of God. No. Our sin may shout to condemn us, but God's grace above all is heard. I love that line in that song. What song is that? Mm, I'm not sure. All right. I Never recognize mind. it as a song. All, your, all my sin may shout to condemn me. No singing, Dan. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the lyrics? Uh, all your, all my sin may shout to condemn me, but your grace above all is heard. I've been, I think it's a sovereign. Oh, I've been oh a, yeah, yeah. It's uh. I've been adopted. Yes, I don't. Okay. I don't know if uh, did uh, Bristol write that. I one? think so. Yeah, okay. it's from Crossway Bristol. So you Steve, won't Steve find Moore. It. Yeah, That's Steve right. Moore. We're gonna make that song That's popular. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um. All right. Anyway, where we are, but this is a call to wallow in your sin no more. Yeah. Like there's no more for, room for wallowing. You, when, when we struggle with our sin, when you come back to this and we say, no, 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 I, I, I'm not going to be judged for that anymore. There's no more room for accusation. The devil's been thrown down because my sin's been paid for. The courtroom has been settled. Now, the vision moves on. And you, you want to go back. The, you remember the devil is like laying splat. He's knocked out cold. And all of a sudden, he's, he slowly starts standing up. And he pushes himself up. And the seven heads kind of come up and shakes his head around and goes, whoa, where am I? And he sees himself. He's not in heaven anymore. 
he sees himself on earth. And he's enraged. The dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth. And he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But guess what? The woman was given two wings of a great eagle. So that means she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. To the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. Now... So that same time period yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like the Friday the 13th kind That's of right. conjure up of like suffering here is also a time where she's nourished and kept safe. That's right. Time, time, and half a time yeah. there. Or times, time, yeah. times, and half a time. That's right. Yep. Nourished by, does it say nourished by God, right? Uh, or she is nourished. It okay. Say okay. How, but okay. Yeah. It was assumption. a place earlier. It was a place prepared by God. And yes. now it's, she's nourished. Yeah. All right. So now the serpent has another tactic. The serpent, he, you know, okay, she's flown flown from him on wings, so now he's running. He's trying to find her. He finally spots her off in the distance in the wilderness. The serpent, his next tactic, he pours water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. Here's this huge flood coming after the woman. So now you picture the woman standing there, this huge mass wave of, of water coming after her. What's she going to do? She's helpless. She can't overpower the water. Well... Have no fear. The earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opens its mouth, swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. And just like that, it's over again. Now, you would think the dragon, having been caught red-handed, knowing the cops are on the way, you know, he's not going to get away. Bad that- boys, bad boys. <laughs> yeah. What you going to do? What you going to do? Yeah. When- <laughs> you, you would think he would just stop and turn himself in, right? No, no, no. He instead starts shooting up the place more. Yeah. He, he gets enraged, verse 17. I mean, he was just defeated four times. Then the devil became furious with the woman. It's like you, if I were doing this scene, he would just be, ah! He goes Hulk on. He goes Hulk. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus he stood on the sand of the sea. So that's our opening scene. This is how John sets up the conflict. Satan hates the Christ, and he hates his people. And he will do anything he can to destroy her, and that's his goal. That is what he's after. Nothing's going to stop. He will do that until he drops forever. So on the one hand, this is showing us like, he has this insatiable, like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep charging. And yet there's also this kind of assurance of like, yeah, but how many times has God stopped him? Like, <laughs> right, right. It's like right. A, you know, there's kind of like the two-sided, yeah, he's waging war against us. Yeah. And also, God knocks him down every time. That's right, yeah. yeah. So there's a sense then, like, well, we should, this this is serious. Like, we should take this serious. And yeah. yet, like, we, we, also we have, have God on our side. Like, right, yeah. Like, we, we don't have to be too afraid here. Yeah. Um, but now he's standing on the sea. We know yeah. he's furious. We know he's off to make war. And we're kind of left to wonder, well, how is that going to Yeah, happen? how is he going to make war? So now we have two more characters that are going to come in. The beasts that are going to represent these human institutions that bring uh, both of them slaughter. They, they, they kill the church. Like this, this picture of physically killing them. But also to, to try to destroy the church by oppression uh, as well as uh, slander as well as uh, deception. Uh, and then later we see Babylon, the, the seduction, right? So he's standing on the edge of the sea. I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Now, this beast 
had also had ten horns, and it had seven heads, so it looks very much like the first beast. And now it has ten diadems like on its dragon, horns. You mean? Oh yeah, like the dragon. You're right. Um, and it has blasphemous names on its heads. The beast I saw was now picture this like a leopard. The feet though were like a bear's, and its mouth uh, was like a lion's mouth. You got that? No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, and it, but I remember as you preached through this, so this is coming out of Daniel. <laughs> yeah. This is like taking these, these other, like, uh, the conglomeration yeah. of Daniel. This is like the beast yeah. of beasts. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and to it, the dragon, the dragon, so the devil gave his power and his throne in great authority. So this hideous beast has all this authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth, marveled as they followed the beast they worshiped the dragon because he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like the beast and who can fight against it this is this is very much like the song of moses from uh, exodus 15 who is who is like god yeah right and this is what they're saying to the beast the, the earth the, the people who dwell on earth have been deceived uh, and now, if if you remember, so those who dwell on earth is is a way of summing up uh, the people who are not God's people. Those, those are the unbelievers. Yeah. The people of heaven are those who they're the be, heaven dwellers. The, the heaven dwellers, even though they live on earth physically, yeah. the visions. Their citizenship is yeah. in heaven. We That's might right. Say. Yep. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. There's our dating period again. Um, Dating period that sounded that sounded like courtship. Yeah, this is the this is it's <laughs> right. a, it's the time period of persecution. Right, twelve hundred sixty days. Nourishment yes. in the wilderness. That's right. Yeah, uh, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming His name and His and His dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. So in the picture, it's blaspheming both God and God's people. So God's not good. There's no there's you think you think your god is is for you? Did you see what you did? All sorts of slander. Your god would never help you. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and on all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Now hear this, John says. You got to hear this part. If anyone has an ear, let him hear this. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And there I hear John saying, you hear that? You hear that? There's no reason to fear difficulty. Yes, this beast is hideous. Yes, God, the devil uses human institutions to oppress the church and slander the church and make life miserable for the church. But God is in ultimate control. If God has ordained captivity for you, to captivity you will go. Satan can't give you more captivity. He can't give you less. This is God's ordained um, direction of history, and it will unfold just as God has declared it. And, th- and therefore, you know, there's um, we experience as God's people. We, we 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 have sorrow in the world. 
but we do not grieve as the world grieves. Because we know that God is in ultimate control, and we know that, uh, remember, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. We know that God controls now, and He controls the future. And if that's true, then we, it's okay to grieve the, wor- the things of the world, but we do not grieve without hope. We, have, we are those who have hope. We also enjoy the blessings of the world, but not the same way the world does, because we don't look for the world to give us all the, the deep joys that we long for. We look to God for that, and we can experience the true joys of the world. So that's beast number one. Now we see another beast. Then John says, Then I saw another beast. This one rising out of the earth. First one came out of the sea. This one comes out of the earth. Now this one had two horns. Like, it was like a lamb. Hmm. That's nice. We saw a lamb before. Yeah. And it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. And it, it, it makes the earth and its inhabitants Worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs. This beast, it even makes fire come down from heaven right in front of people. Now, you can believe it. By these signs, it is allowed that it's allowed to work in the presence of the beast. It deceives those who dwell on earth. It, and it tells them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. In other words, this is just like this idea of this beast having all this power, doing all these miracles, deceiving the people to make them like robots. Whatever the beast says, we will do. Right? This This is the picture that he's painting of the people on earth. They are so deceived by the enemy that they will follow him. And it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slaved, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 666, or 666. Not even anywhere near completion. This is a created being. You preached on that part. You want to add anything on that piece? Yeah, the number of, of humanity, one less than seven. This is the true identity of the beast. Yeah. yeah. He's got no, no power like the true God. Yeah. Let that be wisdom. Discern that, he says. You might lose everything but he can't take the ultimate things away from you because only God controls that. Mm -hmm. Because, remember, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Well, now John's going to give us further motivation uh, to endure because uh, he's going to point forward for us. Uh, The question, obviously, on the mind of the reader at this point is how in the world can the church truly make it? What else do we need? We've we've heard that God is in control now. We've heard that victory has already been ours. But yet this life is still hard. Mm. Like, how are we going to make it through? We've got two beasts coming after us to oppress or to deceive. Yeah. So now John's going to point us forward. Then I saw, or then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. And with him, 144,000, or you might say the, the, the militant church, right? This is uh, the army of God. The army of God, that's right. 
those who have been numbered. Um, and this is the church who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpist playing on their harps. This would be a good spot to sing here, right? No, no, <laughs> not if you're Dan. There's never a good spot to sing if you're Dan. <laughs> but you have loud like thunder and you have beautiful harps. So this is powerful, but it's filled with beauty. All right, this loud voice. And this voice, it was a collective voice. It was coming from the 144,000. They were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could, no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women. For they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found. For they are blameless. Now we're not told the content of that song. That's coming later. But we're given the picture. These are the people who have kept themselves pure. Because remember, we have a wedding to get to. Mm-hmm. Chapter 19, right? Uh, we're going to see the bride later. Uh, this is the people of God. They've kept themselves. They have not gotten in bed with the world or with the harlot. They've kept themselves pure for the lamb and they follow the lamb wherever he goes. This is the people who have kept themselves. They have endured to the end. Um, Until out of this great battle with the beasts and the dragon, we see in some ways, you might say surprisingly, a people who have been rescued that's through right. that situation. That's right. Is what we find here. The that's people, right. The army who have come through the battle... As the dead, mm-hmm. surprisingly a dead army that's actually victorious by being faithful unto their death. That's right. And so you caught the word there used twice. They've been redeemed. They've been redeemed yep. for God. That's right. Uh, this is a wonderful picture pointing forward because blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead. Now, this angel had an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, because God is merciful, preaching the gospel right up to the end, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And another angel A second followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. 
And John pipes in, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Listen to those visions. Either you will be uh, marked with the, the mark of God, the seal of God, singing the song that no one else could know, the song of God's redemption, or you will be drinking the cup of God's wrath. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Both a, a drive towards holiness to keep ourselves in the Lord, but also a drive, is it not, to, to tell our neighbors and tell our family members about this news that is coming. It is good power to that the lust of the world loses its appeal. And then that voice from heaven says, Write this, John. Write it. Grab your pen. Write this down. The church must hear it. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that's true, that they may rest from their labors, because their deeds follow them. And then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And seated on the cloud, one like a son of man. This is going to be the great harvest that's going to come, because God has a harvest waiting for him. One like the son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the, on the on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle, And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. He called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put your sickle, put in your sickle and and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth, gathered the grape harvest of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle, four to five feet, for roughly 884 miles. A blood slaughter. Some were harvested for God. Some were harvested for the wrath of God. Indeed, life will be hard in this world. But one day all will be relieved. I think even just something simple as like not being as frustrated with the simple things of life, like keeping a vision like this before us can can be gratefully great uh, greatly help in that because life gets frustrating as we go through it. Because the congregation of the Lord says, "Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord." Then another sign, a great sign appeared, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues. These are the last plagues, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And that's all John has to say about that one. And then John saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast, and its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And both those being the same song. It's a song of salvation through God's judgment 
God brought a great rescue. And this is the content of the song that the 144 were singing. And again, I, the illustration I gave in the sermon uh, on this was well, World War II uh, soldiers coming home and just people dancing in the streets and everybody excited um, because indeed this this will be a great great celebration a great homecoming and we will be celebrating God's grace to us God's great and amazing work of getting us to the end and the judgment that he brought we indeed will celebrate God's judgment one day and we will indeed celebrate God's salvation one day we will be able to look back and say everything God did was right everything God did was faithful everything God did was great and this is the content of this great song Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And I think John, if he could just stop right there and and say a word to the church, I think he would simply say, Stay in the battle. Stay in the battle. It's worth it. It is worth it to fight to the end. Fight against your flesh. Stay in the the fight. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. And one of the, hopefully one of the things that you were able to take away just from that reading is, um, obviously we want to understand the book of Revelation and we can get into the details and try to you know, interpret them and think about them. But the one of the unique things that apocalyptic literature is meant to do is actually help you feel the vision. And mm-hmm. So it's actually a part mm-hmm. of the interpretation process right, right. to just sit and feel the vision. And so yeah. it's good to really read large sections like that. Imagine mm-hmm. what it would be like to see these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even without stopping and kind of curbing that impulse to want to look at all the details, just letting yourself move through the passage and feel its impact and letting right, right. staying with that impact. That's one of the unique things yeah. that apocalyptic literature is able to do that maybe other genres of scripture, like an epistle or something, mm-hmm. is uh, is less designed for. Right, and right. So, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully uh, that was a, a helpful exercise to be able to do that. And uh, in this coming week, we will be looking now at the bowl judgments that were just briefly alluded to yeah, yeah. and quickly moved right. on from. That's and right. so we're kind of waiting to see what are what was that yeah. great and amazing. I love right. how he says, yeah. like, he says, and I, I saw a sign in heaven, great and amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's so amazing. It's so <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. And then you're kind of left hanging. And so now we're left right. hanging with the cliffhanger. After you like watch a TV show and it says to be continued, you got to come back next, back next week to see what those bowls, those plagues are all about. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you.